Yeah, where I was going with that is, so with our schedules, you know, so let's say we've got 20 or 30 days total throughout the whole year where we go in and that workout's not what we wanted, but we know for sure it's at least 50%. Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 extra workouts versus just, oh, it's not going to be good, I'm not going to go. That gives you an edge yeah. over the person that doesn't. I mean, I would rather go 20 or 30 times at 50% than not go at all. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the mental victory is important. And for me, those mental victories translate. Like if I hit all my marks throughout a day, then my the whole rest of the week is good because mm-hmm. I just feel on. You know, I'm proud of myself. It's the pat on the back. It's I'm hitting my marks. I am good. I am killing it. I am crushing it. And it makes me want to pick up, you know, like instead of just doing the bare minimum, I'm like, let me catch this extra little thing yeah, too. Just a little bit. Yep. And you carry that with you. But the same goes to if you let it slip and you make those excuses and you let yourself slide, you slide way back down mm-hmm. the hill. And just like with the fitness, it's easier to maintain. Yeah. I mean, people used to laugh because I'd get so upset if my gym time got interrupted or I didn't get to the gym. And they're like, dude, it's just one day. Relax. I get so upset. I still do. But. It's just, just relax. It's just one day. No, it's not just one day. It's a habit. Mm-hmm. And habits are dangerous. Yep. Habits are either very effective or they're very dangerous. And you might say, okay, one day this week turns into one day next week. And you might, oh, it's just one day a week. That's 52 days. Yep. Work out a body part for 52 days and tell me how strong you are <laughs> in that body part. Yep. And then tell me it's just a day. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things because it, it, there's very little room for error there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's accountability, self-accountability. Um, and I'm sure you do the same thing. I check myself a lot because I come off course a lot. That's, yes. just, that's just how it is. Yep. Constant course correction. And I'm lucky enough to have people around me, whether it's, it's Charles, you, some friends of mine, even your boss at work will tell you like, Hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not performing effectively or whatnot. So everybody, the people around you that you trust will course correct you. They'll tell you when you're like veering one way or the other, kind of back to our point from before, putting our energy in a whole bunch of things. You have to try and keep as much of a balance as possible. If you put too much tension in one area, the other area starts to slack. And, you know, like a pendulum swing, we're going to go back and forth. And the goal is to find that equilibrium. And once you find that, I think you're going to be in a really good spot. Yeah. Well, see, and you say they'll correct you, but sometimes that's not always the case because if you haven't surrounded yourself with the right people, they won't. Sure. Or you won't correct yourself. Like I was, I was referring to you guys earlier. It's I can correct myself by being around you. I don't even need to get checked. It's a personal check. It's like, Ted's working harder. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. so I can, I can check myself, but that's why I try not to get around the people that, I know I work harder than because it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm working hard. Mm-hmm. You're not. So that's why it's so important. You know, they say you're the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And that's what I called. I caught a lot of slack for, you know, when I lived out west is a lot of the people that I was around were more well known. And I think some people took that as me just wanting to be around that. I'm like, no, they're performing on a different level. And I'm just sponging it up right now, just soaking this in and seeing the inner workings, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one thing that was consistent with all of them is they're around high performing people. Like if you're not bringing anything to the table, you don't really have a spot at it. And that's not a negative thing. That's not a trying to ride anyone's coattail or anything. That's trying to, to create your way. Yeah. You know, they've, they've lit the path. Like I'm going to walk down this path. Yeah. I, I agree so much. Cause I've, I've started seeking out those rooms. What room can I get into where I feel like the dumbest person in the room? What room can I get into where I feel like the least successful person in the room? And, and it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable being in those rooms. And the whole purpose is just to put myself in that environment because eventually when I'm comfortable in that room, I go, I try and go to the next floor, go to a higher room. Yep. That's the only way to elevate. I'll ask you this because in doing that, there's a, there are sometimes I feel that quote unquote imposter syndrome. Yes. <laughs> yep. Like I'm in this room and there's these people around me who I, I look up to and they might turn to me and ask my advice on something. And I'm just like, Oh man, like 
can I, can I really give my thoughts on this? Am I in a position to give my thoughts on this? And, and there's sometimes where that self-talk is so important. I try and like push that monster back down, but it always rears its ugly head, man. Yep. I think that's good because it's an ego check and that will never let you outgrow yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because I experience that all the time, whether it's with this or through Instagram or whatever is people say, Oh, you've got a podcaster, you know, you've got X amount of, I'm like, that means nothing. Yeah. That means nothing. Like I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Like I still feel like an amateur in everything I've ever done. Agreed. No matter how long I've done it, because I know people that are on a level that I view is much, much higher than my own. Mm-hmm. Like even, you know, even when we were talking about camera stuff earlier, it's, it was so much easier for me to admit like, Hey, I don't know anything like show me than it is to try to fake, fake the phone can be like, Oh yeah, I got this camera. Check it. You know, I don't yeah. know how to eventually I'm going to be exposed. So it's easier to expose yourself. And then just like what happened, it's let me show you. Yeah. You know, people are so afraid of exposing their weaknesses when if you've surrounded yourself with the right people, they're going to help you mm-hmm. expose those weaknesses so they know you've got them. Yeah. You know, I talk to Charles about money stuff all the time, like, and admit some things that are uncomfortable, mistakes that I've made financially, mm-hmm. but that's because I know he's got the knowledge to help. Yeah. And a lot of times th- that, that vulnerability and opening that up, it connects you to people, especially mm-hmm. in the, in the world we live in. You look at all these big names that you follow on social media or whatnot. How many things are becoming exposed down the line at the end of the day? Here's the reality of it. If you're listening to you, this, if you're listening, this is the best thing I could tell you. You're out there naked. Everybody sees what you're doing. If you have that mentality, you have nothing to hide. With social media, with what we do, everything we do behind closed doors is going to come to the light now more so than ever. So if you kind of just start with the vulnerability and you don't try and hide that, I think people will see the genuineness in you. People will see the real in you and then people will relate to you more because I, I told the story of me crawling into the trunk of my car. I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably <laughs> drive a car <laughs> that gives them problems, you know, and, and I'm just like, Hey, I'm, I've been through it. We all have. I've changed my tire on the side of the road. We all have that human aspect. I think is what still continues to connect us in the world of social media and all that podcasts and what have you. These mm-hmm. people we look up to, something that makes them so special is that they're real and you could touch them. Yep. And it, and that realness is is what's so glamorous to me about certain public figures, mm-hmm. that they're just real and raw. Like I'm a huge Tyson fan, not necessarily a huge boxing fan, but a huge Tyson fan because he's had it all, done it all, but he can talk about some real stuff. Yeah. There's stupid things he's done and just very embarrassing stuff but it's raw and I respect him for it. I don't judge him in a negative light about it. If anything, I put myself in that position. I'm like, okay, you give me that much money at that age, I'm going to act the same. Yeah. You know, same thing. Justin Bieber gets a lot of slack for some of the stuff he does. And I, I don't listen to his music. I'm not a fan in that regard, but give me his fame and his money at that age. I would have done a lot worse. Same. I was, I was going to say exactly that. <laughs> I don't hate on Justin. I don't hate on Justin Bieber at all because I, I again, I have enough self-awareness to know if I was that age with that kind of attention, that kind of money, who knows where I would end up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's amazing how we hold so many people to such a high standard. We watch some of these athletes on TV. I remember when Cam Newton uh, lost the Super Bowl and he kind of walked out on the interview and everybody was so upset with him. Oh, no, you got to you got to take that. You got to. There were athletes before him that have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you forget this is a 25-year-old kid. Yep. This is a 25-year-old kid on a national stage. And do I agree with what he did? Of course not. Do I excuse what he did? No. But I understand. He's a kid. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we look at these people in the media like, oh, how can they do that? We hold them to such a high standard. I'll, I'll just challenge anybody that has that. Hold yourself to that same standard. Exactly. Because there are certain things we can get away with that they can't get away with. Sure, I, I could agree to that. I can understand that. But to hold them to that standard and judge without fully understanding the position, I think, is a very dangerous thing. Because if we look in the mirror, I'm sure there's, I mean, there's a lot of things in my past I'm not proud of. Mm-hmm. There, Same. 
there's there's the that one joke where it says, uh, you know, y- your future self is talking crap about you. And yep. it's like, oh, I don't care. I'm going to shorten their life expectancy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's absolutely true. It's hard to really speak on something when you're not in that position, you know, when someone who's who's famous says something or does something or whatever. It's real easy to judge what they're doing, especially, especially when age is involved, like we were talking about Bieber, because I can remember um, I was living in Clemson when uh, Sammy Watkins got in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. he had some some pills or whatever he did, and people just held him to such a high standard. I'm like, this is an 18 or 19 year old young man. Yeah, what did you do at 18 or 19? And yeah, he's doing those those things that he shouldn't do, but he's a kid and he can't see past that. Mm-hmm. I genuinely don't think he could have, have seen past that. But it's he's doing those things that you were probably doing at 18 or 19. But let's look at what else he's doing. Yeah. Did you do the other stuff? Did you put in the work at practice like he's doing? You know, like, are yeah. you showing out on the field like he was? Cut him some slack. Did you put up with the same amount of pressure that he's putting up exactly. day in and day out? Yep. It's it's one thing when I see those instances, you know, what goes through my mind is, okay, that kid needs guidance. Mm-hmm. He might need a mentor. He might need somebody to show him along. That's why LeBron James, for example, he's he's been known to reach out to some younger athletes because... <laughs> LeBron James going to the Miami Heat, everyone's like, oh, my God. If that's the worst thing he does in his career, <laughs> I think he's a good guy. And and I think it's just so important because LeBron was like, how, how old? Like maybe 20, 21? Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. I don't judge the guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But when you look at these athletes, some of these stars, you think of the circle that they're in. They're the ones that are making it. So their friends all look up to them. Nobody's telling them anything. Nobody's telling them no. Nobody's guiding them anywhere. I think that's why mentors and coaches are so important. Because we don't have it all figured out. Me and me and Andre, who I, I do my podcast with, we, we talked about coaching. And I mentioned we spend our whole lives, parents teaching us how to become citizens in, in our country, teachers teaching us education, coaches teaching us sports. And then we graduate from college and we walk into this thing called life and we're like, oh, we got it figured out. We're good. No. If to our, to our Before we say, look towards somebody who has what you want. Mm-hmm. Let them mentor you, show you the way. And a lot of that happens with day in and day out experiences, life experience, experiences. I've done things in certain situations that when they panned out looking back, I handled that wrong. Mm-hmm. The next time it comes back around, I'll handle it better. I'll handle yep. it like a man because I've known what I did bad. Yeah. Yeah. And same thing for me is it's, it's things that I thought really clearly I knew exactly how to handle at 25 and handled them in the way that I thought they should be handled. At 30, I look back and think, no, that was entirely <laughs> wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you've got to always be growing and learning and evolving and being able to Pick yourself apart and think, how could I do this better? What could I do better in this situation? But it's funny that you mentioned that thing um, about LeBron because Daniel Tosh used to have a really good joke about, uh, who was it, Uh, Brett Favre, Mm -hmm. when everyone was saying, oh, he should just retire, he should just retire. He's like, do you know what it pays to be a quarterback? And and I can't remember the the complete joke, but he's like, it's like, you know, for, for him, it's like X amount, you know, 13 million a year. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And he's like, eventually he'll be too old for that, but they'll offer him a position on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. You know what that pays? Two million. And you're, you're Brett Favre. Yeah, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. You know, it just kept going. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's easy for you to sit back and say that guy should retire, but you're not in his position. Mm-hmm. We're so big on, you know, and same thing from social media. It's, you got to realize you're only getting a little clip of these people's lives. You're not seeing the full thing. Context. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, and I, I get that a lot. People think life is great. I'm like, life is far from great. I'm always evolving and learning and stuff. And the amount of followers you have doesn't translate. And I'm guilty of it just like everyone else. I really only post the good stuff on there. Yeah. I try to post some of the bad. You know, I don't want to bring everyone down with depression stuff. But if I have a struggle, I'm trying to be more conscious to put it out there because we all deal with struggles, but a lot of people pretend like they don't, yeah. like it's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest, this, this week has been a struggle mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, coming back 
and, and trying to get on that grind, it's, it's hard to kind of share those vulnerabilities, especially when they involve other people. So from my experience, uh, my cousin just passed and I went to Miami and I, I, I post a picture of the plane. I post mm-hmm. a picture of me at the airport and I just, I was silent all weekend. Now wanting to share vulnerabilities or whatnot, that side of me wants to kind of talk about it on my Instagram and everything, but that involves other people. You know, my family right. is mourning. Right. And it, that's, that's not the first time it's happened to me where, you know, I'm in a position where I want to share this, this heartache. I want to share this, this tough time, but there are other people to consider because I might've picked to live my life on social media. I might've picked to share things freely, but my parents and my cousins, they didn't pick that life. So I don't want to expose them right. to certain things. And that's the hard thing, the balance, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's one thing that to be honest, I go back and forth sometimes is as much as I enjoy social media is I kind of get scared when I think about it too, because I realize that everything I've built is kind of built around that. Mm-hmm. Like even promoting this podcast, like I need social media, the clothing line, I need social media. Obviously the Instagram marketing I do is based around social media is sometimes I get scared that I can't ever unplug. Do you ever feel that way? Um, so I don't only because to your point, I would say focus on when you mentioned sitting in a conversation, you don't check your phone. Mm-hmm. I realize what I use social media for. Uh, my personal Facebook, for example, I don't post on that often. I'm very active on Instagram and I use social media a lot, but it's also a means to an end. So when you say you're building everything around social media, I would ask why? Because Coca-Cola, for example, they were on the TV commercials and they're, they're marketing on billboards or whatnot because that was effective. Right. Social media is effective. And I think the biggest self-awareness tool and the biggest thing people need to look at when they look at social media is what they use it for and what they're doing with it. Are you a consumer or are you a creator on social media? Because if you're creating something and if you're building something, you're building a brand, you're trying to attract people, you're trying to provide value, you're using that tool for good. Not to say consuming is using it for bad, but if you're just consuming it, what value does that bring to other people? If you're just sitting there scrolling through Instagram, liking right, pictures, right. and you're just doing that for three or four hours, yet you haven't posted in three weeks, maybe you're using social media for more of a selfish reason. Yes, you're taking to the, from the pool, not giving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good way to, to look at it. That, that kind of eases my mind sure. about it, you know, because I just felt so... I guess afraid that like this could never stop if I want the rest of these things to continue to grow. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not, I don't have a problem like picking up my phone, checking it every 10 seconds. Sure. It's just that anytime I need to promote something, that's the best avenue. You know, that mm-hmm. is marketing in 2018 is social media. Like there's nothing more effective, not radio, not television, not billboards, mm-hmm. none of that. It's social media. And the benefit is that. If you're really good at it, you don't have to pay anyone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a free, free way to advertise, which is huge for small businesses. I find so many people on Instagram either doing cool artwork or like I'm, I'm somewhat into like blacksmithing stuff. So like making cool knives or just doing really cool stuff or even just cool digital art, mm-hmm. you know, that they're making from an iPad or something. It's a great place to discover stuff like where I would have never found that person. Yeah. You know, I've linked up and collaborated with people that I've never met in real life through Instagram. So I guess it's, it's more, more good than harm for sure. And, and what you just said there though was, was huge. Cause I don't think a lot of people take it to that level. You've met people on Instagram and translated that into real life. I've met people on Instagram. And met them in real life, created relationships with these people in real life, met people that I probably would have never met if it wasn't for social media. If you're consuming content and you're not going past that, you're constantly hiding behind a glass. You're hiding behind the screen. I've learned for me, social media has become fulfilling because of the things I do in real life. When I do things in real life, I share them. When I communicate with people, I have one friend and it's funny I say friend because I haven't even met this person yet. We've contacted in direct message on Instagram. 
and we had a conversation and the conversation got deep, shared my struggles. He shared his, he's in the Greenville area. I was like, Hey man, we had to sit down for a coffee. This can result in a true friendship through social media. So I think it, it gets a lot of a bad rap, but I think like any tool when it's abused, it's going to get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Much like we were talking about diet and health, chicken yep. wings, burgers, they're terrible for you but we're still going to eat them. Mm-hmm. We're still going to like photos on social media. The key is be effective with it, be intentional with it, and uh, just don't aimlessly scroll through liking and, and checking other people's stuff because it's kind of a selfish way to use it. It definitely is, yeah. And that's what, you know, I can appreciate a good mix when I'm on Instagram is be providing me value, but I just, I don't really ever subscribe. And I think you and I have talked about this before is I don't want everything to try to be like, don't be trying to be the guy on every post. Like, yeah. let me see some realness too. You know, <laughs> like, let me see some goof around. Like, I don't want just constant. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's a turn off to me because I know that's not real. That's not you, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, it's like, like your post, you know, I like is there's a good mix. Sure. You know, it's, that's what I try to, you know, with my Instagram marketing thing is sometimes people will consult, you know, with me on what should we be posting? I'm like behind the scenes. Yeah. Let people see through that curtain because now you've formed a connection with them. And that's why I really like this is people can form a connection with you, mm-hmm. but that can also get weird because there's podcasts that I've listened to for years. So now I know so much about some of these people and every once in a while, our paths may cross, and it's a really weird feeling. Yeah. Have you ever... I I can imagine people might go through that with you, though, watching the news. Like, they see you, they hear, like, they see your emotions, and they've kind of gotten to know you, and you know zilch about them. Sure. And they approach you in public. Is That's a weird thing, is it not? Oh, I mean... I'll go on vacation, and I'll come back, and I'll be in the supermarket, and someone will be like, hey, how was your vacation? <laughs> like, how'd you know I was on vacation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, much like this podcast, we can have the, the conscious thought of, yeah, people are listening, people are watching. But when somebody actually comes to you about it, it's almost, it's a shock. It's a step back. Like, oh, wait, I almost forgot that this happened. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's, it's initially a shock, and then it's like validation. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's why I do it. I, I, I'm actually sharing yep. my life with people. When people say, oh, how is your, how is your, how is your break? And they'll mention my, my coworkers and what's going on in their lives and stuff. And it's like, you know, these people, specifically with Fox, they invite us in their living rooms every morning mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're drinking their coffee with us. And it's, it's hard to see that. But when someone, you know, when it becomes in person contact, you know, that's when it becomes real. Yep. And that's when it becomes worth it. I think the same thing with social media. You can have a relationship with somebody on your phone, but if it never becomes real human to human interaction, um, it's not giving, it's, it's not, it's not taking the full advantage of what social media can do for people. Right. Yeah. And I enjoy that. You know, like I'll have people where, where, you know, maybe they follow me, maybe it's reciprocal, but they, you know, they see me out and then I'll get a message later like, oh, hey, I saw you at so-and-so, didn't want to bother you. I'm like, next time, come pull up a chair. Yeah. Like, eat with me, talk with me. Like, if you're not cool, I'll I'll send you on your way. But I want to talk to anyone, especially if you take an interest in me. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know why. Like, yeah. what ha- have I provided you in value? You know, like, what drew you in? Yeah. I want to know. I'm genuinely curious because like we were talking about the identity thing is sometimes it just doesn't feel real. Yeah. It's about meeting so many people because you hear so many stories and when you, you meet people, it, it almost, the more people I talk to, the more I kind of discover myself selfishly. And, and that's kind of like what social media has done is it shows different avenues. It shows how many people are doing the same thing differently. And, and when you kind of sit down with these people, you get to kind of like make that eye contact and, mm-hmm. and you get to feel their energy. I mean, I think that energy is huge. I think that's something we naturally look out for. We want to, to kind of, to kind of pull that in. Yep. We want to communicate. That's why social media is so popular. We want to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that communication with people helps us find our identity, our identity. 
because I think our identity is always evolving. You know, we're always becoming who we are. Mm -hmm. The person I am today is going to be different than who I am five, five days from now, a year from now, the experiences, the people we meet, you know, when I was in high school, Pluto was a planet. Right. It's not a planet anymore. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And that's one thing though, is it goes both ways. It can make you a better communicator, which I feel like you and I have, have done well with, but it can make you a worse communicator because some people are only on the internet to lash out. You know, maybe they're hurting inside, but you know, I'll see a, a crazy comment on Instagram just super far out, especially on like famous people that I follow because everyone's going to have an opinion, like we said. So if they leave just a really bad comment, I'll go to their thing and look at and I'm like, your whole life is this. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's no consequence. So when we were in tribes, that's why the communication was so important and that face-to-face is you can read people's energy. So you realize like, okay, this is a neighboring tribe that will work with us and we can share food and, you know, we've got this and they've got this and we can trade or we're going to go to war. Yeah. But on social media or online, you don't have that. There's no repercussions. Mm -hmm. You don't have to feel that uncomfortableness when you're rude to someone. You don't have to see that look in your, you know, their eyes of, you know, because they have two options. They can get aggressive when you're rude to them or you can just see them defeated. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that reminds you, oh, tone it down. Like you just made this person feel bad, you know, and maybe that wasn't your intention, but you can read it. So that's one thing social media has done bad is made some people worse communicators. Yeah. Or expose them. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll get a comment that might not be the best comment and uh, I'll, I'll tend to respond in a very positive way and and that person will either respond positively or negatively. And that third comment, they comment to me, I comment to them. Their response is when I make my decision on, on what kind of person they mm-hmm. are. Because they can come at me with negativity. I'm going to come back at you with positivity. I gave you a choice now. Now you have a choice. You have right. both in front of you. Yep. Which path are you going to take? And at the end of the day, whatever path they choose, I don't think they're changing their mind after that. Yeah. You know, they made their decision. That's why I don't like Facebook is people are so quick to get into debates, especially political. Mm -hmm. It's just not the right format to do that because even, even reading text, you may read it in a tone that you think they're against you and it's just genuinely a conversation. Yeah. And it goes just, and that's why I just, I don't do it. That's why I like this is (laughs) if you and I have opposing views, we can sit down and fully dissect it. Yeah. You can't in a Facebook post because if you write a page, they're not going to read it. Yep. Or they may read it just in a tone in their head that's not the way you said it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's lost. It's automatically defensive, right? Yes. The yep. moment I know you disagree with me, I'm going to have my shield up ready to defend my point. Mm-hmm. So if I'm reading it to you, and oftentimes we're reading it in, in our own voices, we're going to be reading it with our defense up. Right. And the natural response to defense is offense. Mm-hmm. But when we sit face to face, you talk about energy and seeing like, hey, listen, man, we just see things different. Right. Yep. It's fine. I don't judge you for it. I don't think less of you for it. Mm-hmm. I actually think more of you for feeling comfortable with sharing with me your opposing view. Yep. And I think the biggest thing on social media that you see a lot is the response like, oh, you're an idiot. Why? Yeah. yeah. I have so many friends, despite this political environment that we live in, that have opposing views. Never would I say that to any one of my friends because I respect them. Mm-hmm. What, what I do is I'm like, hey, you're somebody that's intelligent, somebody who has a kind heart, and you're a good person, and you have this completely polarized view that I do. Let's find out why. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've, I've learned to love that so much as – just understanding why you feel away. And I'm not looking to necessarily even change my own mind or have you sell me on it. Mm-hmm. I just want to understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But then I've also tried to make myself very aware of other people's upbringings and their surroundings. And that has a lot to do with why they feel the way they feel. Yeah. And does it make them wrong? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't, even if, if you know in your head they're wrong or the way they feel is, is just not right. It's, a lot of times I've found if, if I'm objective and look at the whole situation, they, they don't usually have malice in their heart. Like yeah. they're not, 
coming from a bad place with it. It's intention. And that is that is a good feeling is you can realize, okay, I don't agree and I think they're absolutely wrong. You know, I, I know it in my heart that they are, but they don't mean any harm by it. Yeah. That's that's freeing too. Yeah. It's 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 hard sometimes to, to really get to that point though. Mm-hmm. And I could understand folks that, that jump to conclusions, but you know, it's it's all about really you know, just having faith in people. Yeah. You know, well, and there's so much of a team mentality now of you got to side with this or side with that. Like, <laughs> I like to live in the middle because that's where I'm at on a lot of topics. Yeah. You know, I can see a little of this side makes sense. A little of this side makes sense. And that's usually how it is with anything is there's an extreme on both sides. And there's things that both sides are doing a little too far. Sure. That could dial down. So to me, the middle is usually a good place to be. Yeah. You know, I like my dad. He always says, "Like I don't know how I feel about a topic until you bring it up to me, and then we'll see." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel yet. Which I mean, that's the way to live. You know, we mentioned before context. You know, in what regard are we talking about something? And it could be something as easy as, "Hey, you like the the nacho cheese Doritos? I like the Cool Ranch Doritos. Which ones are better?" It's your taste. Yeah, and that's what's hilarious <laughs> is certain music. You know, like oh, I can't believe you listen to that. I'm like, hey, it does something for me. Yeah, like. One of my big ones is Mariah Carey. Like I like Mariah Carey's music. Like oh, she gets. I won't. I won't play it in the car with most of my friends only because I know they don't want to hear it. But I'm like, that's my jam. Mm -hmm. I'll listen to like ten of her songs in a row. You know, like there's no shame in it. Like I'm not less of a man. You know, like (laughs) that's so funny. Yeah, your taste and stuff just makes you a crazy person. Mm -hmm. It's something as simple as music. Yeah, I mean. You listen, you listen to my playlist. I love listening to people's playlist. I say, hey, just hit songs and hit shuffle. Mm-hmm. Let's see what comes up. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people have a very a very wide musical palette. You know, I, I, I know my playlist is lacking in country, but there are some country songs that I will get down to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people will be like, oh, you know country? <laughs> yeah, I know country. Yeah. Uh, Seven Spanish Angels. Willie Nelson. Love that song. Mm-hmm. I will blast that and I'll be driving down uh, Main Street with the windows down and people are looking at me funny. Yeah. Hey, don't act like you don't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good yeah, jam. See, and I catch, I catch a lot of slack because I, I do like country. I like the older country. And a lot of my friends just despise the newer stuff. Cause they're, mm-hmm. Oh, it's too pop or this guy's not really country. I'm like, I don't care. It puts me in a certain mood, puts me in a certain feeling. I can respect it. Sure. But case in point, I picked up, I can't remember what we were, oh, we were, when we were moving the stuff at the gym, Charles dropped off one of the moving trucks, so I went and picked him up. When he got in the car, I had some Anthony Hamilton playing, and he's like, nice. How do you, how, there's, how do you know about this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I like, and I do need to branch out, like, I seriously have had the same playlist for so long, like, mm-hmm. listen to the same music, like, Sometimes I'll just turn on something crazy and just keep shuffling through and see, like, I'll just grab a something from somewhere, an artist I've never heard of, which mm-hmm. takes me down a rabbit hole of like, okay, I like this. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's awesome to, to the point of, of music and, and, you know, Dorito taste and whatnot. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up because for anyone that's listening and not watching, me and you look completely different, mm-hmm. right? And I could see, I consider us good friends. And if somebody on the outside looking in were to see us, they probably would think we'd have nothing in common. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Even to the point of like, like, like I've always told you is how well you dress. And that's mm-hmm. not me. Like I'm not comfortable. I don't know that I would ever be comfortable doing that, but I admire that so much. I'm like, sure. Dude's killing it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So they see they're like, okay, a very well-dressed black man. A very poorly dressed, tattooed white man, like, eh, not really. But but not at all, because what I respect about you is is you're 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 always genuine. And I think I genuinely feel like every time we connect, you just want to help people. Yes. You just want to help people. Every time we've we've met, we've linked up since the first time we met when I came to meet you for lunch at was it Carolina Ale House? Mm-hmm. Yep. We had a great conversation for that lunch. And I remember leaving that lunch like that. 
that guy just genuinely wants to help people. Mm-hmm. Because provide for me, providing value feels good. Yeah. And then also, I've been helped in ways by people that I still, I don't feel like it's real. I'm like, how is it that this person helped me in this way? Or how is it that this person is even in my corner? Like, yeah. I'm lucky. So if anyone wants my help, as long as I feel like they deserve it, I give it to them. Sure. You know, it's, you know, I had someone reach out to me about a podcast. Um, there's three police officers that started a podcast not long ago and they're like, Hey, we listen to your show and the audio, this and this and this. He's like, if you could offer any pointers, that'd be great. I just sent him my number. I was like, call me. Yeah. I talked to that guy for an hour and he's like, dude, I can't thank you enough. I'm like, Hey, you're living in a space that I'm living in. You're trying to do better and I don't have all the answers. You're going to figure out stuff later on yeah. that I don't know. Just give me the feedback, but I genuinely want to help. Yeah. It just feels good. I mean, that's a win in itself, you mm-hmm. know, is, is helping. And that's what Charles and I were talking about. He's like, you know what I realized is all of the avenues that I'm involved in involve me helping other people. He's like, I always thought I was selfish. <laughs> I'm doing this for me. Is It's all about the money, which, yeah, it can be. But everything he does is providing value for other people. Yeah. And that's, that's where the money will come. That's what I try to tell people is if, if your motive is money, make your motive people yeah. and let the money come. The richest people on this planet have helped the most amount of people. Yep. You think of Jeff Bezos. You think of uh, Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. Facebook. So many people use that service. So many people use Amazon. How convenient is your life because of Facebook and Amazon? Mm-hmm. Of course that person's rich (laughs) because they've made our lives convenient. Mm -hmm. The CEO of Uber. And at the end of the day, the impact you have on people, they say, Hey, you want to be a millionaire? Help a million people. And to be honest, don't ask for the check until a million people have been met. Right. Yep. And that's, that's my thing with this podcast is I've had several people offer um, sponsorships to me, which I'm very grateful for. And some of them I declined because it didn't make sense. But some of them I declined because I was so afraid I was not going to be able to provide them with the same amount of value as I was receiving from them. Sure. But I, and I tried to convey it in those exact words. I was like, I'm really interested, but let me keep building this because I want to be sure you're getting what you pay for. Yeah. And I think you can, but I don't want to work with you until I know I can generate that. Where some people are instantly like, let me get the money. Let me get the money. If the value's there, you know, like I try to undersell and over deliver. Yeah. So I want you to feel like, I want you to feel like a bad guy for what you're paying me for a sponsorship, (laughs) for an ad on this podcast. I want you to be like, this is wrong, man. Like we need to give him, I would rather do business that way than the other way around and feel like, Hey man, what he's doing is not worth it. One thing I respect that you do so well is I think your customer service is through the roof. When uh, your, your podcast was coming out and I wanted to support, I bought a T-shirt. You came and hand-delivered it. I mean, I was expecting it. Oh, you know, it's probably going to come in the mail in yeah. a little bit. And you said, hey, yeah. man, what's your address? Yeah, I'm going to come by and, and hand-deliver your shirt. I think that's just that's an, a testament to, to who you are, how you run your business. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think that's something that, because you're not, you're not the first person to do it. I feel like some of the most successful businesses are doing that. Yep. Do you think that's kind of like the, the environment we're starting to live in? It is. It has to be because there's so many people doing the same thing as eventually it comes down to like, even with my t-shirt business, we can all get the same blanks. There's no secret. Like even if you're doing cut and sew and you think it's a one-off, that mm-hmm. factory will sell me your shirts for the right amount of money. Yeah. So you got to find what separates you. Cause at this point I realize people are only buying and consuming my stuff and support for me. Mm-hmm. You can get a t-shirt anywhere. There's a million podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts that are better than mine. And I know that, but I still have people listening that I know are supporting. Like yeah. I'll get a random text like, Hey, you're sounding better. You're doing better by a friend that I didn't really even expect. It's not really their thing, the whole podcast thing. But the fact that they're listening to this, mm-hmm. like that just puts me on cloud nine, man. Yeah. So that's what I try to do is just put that personal touch on everything because mm-hmm. I know people are buying into me, not buying into what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I think you're so right with that because I kind of feel like it, it happened to me a, a little while back. My friend lives in Boston. His daughter's uh, second birthday party was on a weekend. Now we live in a time where you have 
weather.com. You have the apps on your phone. He's in Boston. He probably has five different TV stations he could look to to get the forecast for the weekend. Mm -hmm. But he sends me a text message. Hey, Ted, I know you're a busy man. Do you have any way or any time to look at this weekend's forecast for my daughter's birthday party? I said, yeah, man, of course. Took 20 minutes, looked at the forecast, and I gave him a detailed forecast. And I realized he can get that information from anywhere. The reason he's asking me is because I'm a friend. It's not that he likes the information. He likes the person giving it to mm -hmm. him. Someone, uh, I was actually watching an Instagram live video this morning. And uh, do you know who Yaya Bakar is? I don't know. He's a, he's a huge uh, speaker. He's one of the, like, the, the fastest uh, speakers to really come up and get onto the global level at a young age. And I was watching his, his live Instagram feed. And he was just giving some tips. And somebody asked him how to give influence and you know how to get money for doing what you're doing. And he said, he pretty much was like, have 100% passion into what you're doing and be yourself. Because what you're giving, everybody else is giving. And when you get to a certain level, people aren't going to pay you for the information. People are going to pay you for who you are. Mm -hmm. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I think we're living in a time where we said abundance. We can get the information on Wikipedia. We can get the information from YouTube. Multiple people have podcasts in the same exact niche that you and I have. But if someone feels a connection to who's saying it, that's really what's going to sell. Yeah, because that translates in your work, no matter what it is you're doing, if you're passionate. I had a, a mutual friend of ours approach me about a, a business idea where there was the potential to make a good amount of money. But it was just, you know, there was no passion in it for me. Mm -hmm. I, it was literally just a money thing. And I said, you know what? I think it's probably a good idea, but I'm going to turn it down only because even if the money starts coming, I could very easily have seen this idea turn into something massive where it's just consuming massive amounts of my time. And at a certain point, I'm one of those, the money doesn't matter to me. Like if I'm not happy, I'm not, not interested. I was like, that will eventually translate in the work that I'm doing and mm -hmm. my role in this whole thing. I'd rather not do it at all. Yeah. And that's what I stick to is the things that I'm passionate about, you know, the things that I'm interested in, because that will always translate. You'll always go the extra mile mm -hmm. for the things you really, really care about. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that's what you could see us sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. We're not getting paid. Yeah. No. This. And someone said, if, if happiness was your currency, what would you do? This right here. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's so important because we're kind of coming around full circle where we started with this happiness thing, yep. fulfillment thing. You know, if I were to lose my apartment, if I were to lose my car, if I were to lose the lifestyle that I've built, I don't think I'd be, I don't think I would be destroyed. I'd be upset. Mm -hmm. it, it would suck. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like it wouldn't hurt. Right, right. But the biggest thing I think I would be focused on is like, what am I doing day in and day out? Because, for example, if I hated what I was doing, if I didn't like what I was doing, I know I can probably get a job somewhere else making less money. I can get a smaller apartment, a different car, and I'll be happy. I will be happy doing that. Mm -hmm. because my current lifestyle isn't what makes me happy. The fact of what I do day in and day out, kind of some of the freedoms I have, some of the things I'm able to do on a daily basis is what kind of keeps me fulfilled. That's what keeps me going. I, I, like to your point, if ever you wake up, you look in the mirror and you're not happy, you're dreading going to work mm -hmm. or you're like, oh, why am I doing this? It's time to reassess. Yep. It's re time to reassess. And a lot of people think I need to make X amount to make myself happy, or I need to make X amount in a different avenue before I leave my current job. What if you just need to get a smaller apartment? What right. if you need to just step back your lifestyle a bit, maybe eat out a little less? Mm -hmm. yep. I'll eat ramen noodles for six months if it meant me taking another job to make me happy. Right. Yep. And see, that's a, that's a really good point because, you know, when I was looking at these places even is I sat back and I looked at it objectively and I said, yes, I can afford it. But I can see based on past, you know, experiences where there could become a time 
we're affording to live here could possibly become a burden, Mm -hmm. which will make me despise this place. Every day I pull in, I will look at this as a negative thing. And your, your space where you live cannot be negative. Yeah. Like right now I'm living in 500 square feet, but it's exactly what I need. It's exactly what I wanted. And it's great. It's perfect. You know, so it's not about the big or the flashy or whatever. It's your, your home has to be your happiness. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think bigger, or nicer is going to be happy. Well, if it's a financial burden for you every month, it's not going to be happy. Yeah. You know, the things in that place are not going to make you happy. It's so funny that you mentioned that because when I was apartment shopping and I, I was looking at this place, I was actually looking at another place farther from downtown Greenville. It was cheaper than this place and the apartment was bigger, well outside of city limits. So um, the prices are lower. And I remember I was looking around with my girlfriend. I looked at her. I said, this is way too much for me. Like the place was just too big. Mm-hmm. Could I afford it? Yeah. But it was just too big. Like I, I couldn't even fill it if I wanted to. Right. I couldn't justify filling it. Yep. And, and I remember looking at that was like, oh, okay. I can't really be, I can't feel good about living in this place. Right. And, and it's funny because the place I live in now, a little more expensive, but I think it fits me mm-hmm. perfectly and also fit what my plan was. Right. You know, eventually there's going to be two people living in here. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of planned for that. Yep. <laughs> and also planned for if there weren't two people living here, this is still perfect for just me. Yep. So to your point, that's such a great observation knowing like, okay, this might be affordable now but it can one day become a burden. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think any of your belongings or anything you own should be a burden. Right. You know, I I never want to struggle to afford something I have. I'm ready to let go of everything I have just to continue to to operate where I'm operating. Right. If I can't afford my car, okay, time to bring it back to the dealer and say, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go pick up this, this used car I saw. Mm-hmm. I have no problem. Like I said, I drove a Mazda <laughs> until the, the, the timing belt yeah. came off. <laughs> I'm not too proud. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too, man, is you don't want a, a job to hold you captive because you have to pay for that stuff. Because mm-hmm. then you resent the house, you resent the job because you have to keep it to pay for the house. Just not a happy place to be. Yeah. But one thing I'd like to tell you, you know, because people won't be able to see this place where, I'm just recording the audio, but one thing I want to tell people is the way you set up. So you're in a much bigger spot than I am. You know, I'm in a smaller spot, but we've both set it up where it's functional. And that's important for any of the young entrepreneurs listening is you have to set up your space no matter what it is. And it doesn't have to be nice, but make it an environment that welcomes the grind. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. you've got to set aside a spot, you know, in, in my spot, it's, It's almost like a studio. So there's just one corner and it's the desk. And no matter what's going on in the rest of the house, that desk is on point 24 seven. So when I sit down, there's no distractions. Mm -hmm. It's work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important because we mentioned the mindset and a lot of people, a mistake they make is either eating in bed, watching TV in bed. There's a TV in my room, but the TV's only on at night while I'm getting my suit ready and stuff. And what plays on that TV? There's no cable box in there. It's an Apple TV mm-hmm. that plays um, that plays YouTube. Yep. And I play educational YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and I try and learn something before I go to bed. And usually that TV's off at least thirty to forty-five minutes before I go to bed. I have my little office. I go in my office. That's sometimes I'll go in there. I'll close the door, and I do what's called the Pomodoro technique, where it's twenty-five minutes of focus, five minutes break. Twenty-five minutes of focus, five minutes break. When I go in there, I close the door. It's time to get some work done. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have my little entertainment area where we're sitting right now, which is typically where I lounge. I'll, I'll watch TV and I'll watch movies and stuff. So I'm programming myself based on where I am in my apartment. My mind knows what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And when I eat, I'll sit at my dining room table. When I'm in the kitchen, I'm usually cooking or, or making a meal or great, grabbing a snack. Yep. I intentionally function in different areas of my apartment for what it is. We all know it goes down in the bathroom, but (laughs) wherever you go is where you're going to do what needs to be done there. Yeah. And it's good to have those boundaries. So that way, you know what time it is without thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, if I'm here, it's fine to relax. Like don't stress about the email that just came in that you heard, you know, on the kitchen counter or whatever. 
But when you're in the office, the email goes off, get it. Yeah. You know, it's, you got to separate. I've literally have come home and I look at my couch. I look at the office and I know I'm tired and that's the decision maker because sometimes, and I've done this, Oh, I'm just going to sit on the couch for like 10 minutes and, and just, um, you know, just, uh, it's 1245. I'll, I'll start working at one. You know what happens every single time without fail? Put my feet up on the couch mm-hmm. and I'm taking a nap. Yep. But if I choose, oh, let me go into the office every single time without fail. I might get up, go to my kitchen, make a pot of coffee because I just committed. Oh, okay. I'm going to need some energy because I'm going to do some work. Mm-hmm. So that decision right there. Wherever I go, wherever I go in my apartment is what kind of lays the playing field for what happens in the next two hours. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good spot to end it. Ted, where can people find you? Okay, so uh, Instagram is is where I'm mainly um, fate and forecast. That's P-H-A-E-T-O-N, the number four, K-A-S-T. That's my tag on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm meteorologist. Or actually, no more meteorologists. I'm just Ted Faton on Facebook. And uh, I'm on Fox Carolina in the mornings. If you're in the upstate, Western North Carolina or Northeast Georgia, mm-hmm. you can catch me Monday through Friday, 4.30 to 9 a.m. In your podcast, No Rain, No Rainbows. No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Yes, that's been that's been going on weekly for a month now. So uh, in the iTunes store, search No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. And it should come up also on YouTube, No Rain, No Rainbows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And if you like this podcast, you'll like Ted's. Um, I think if anything, I would say about his podcast is I tend to, you know, we both mentioned we like to talk. I probably talk more. So I I may have a little more fluff. So his is more quickly digestible. You know, it's just goodness, you know, (laughs) get it out and get going and get on with your day. But definitely check it out. Um, Give him some feedback, you know, let him know what you think on that. Um, And then for both of us, you know, if you listen to our stuff, Please rate and review. Uh, that helps us more than anything else um, because it will show up on iTunes. It will let us climb the ladder so that when people search keywords, we pop up. So that helps more than you know, and I know it can be a little bit of a hassle to do, but it would mean a lot to both of us um, if you do enjoy the content to do that. Thanks, guys. And I just want to say thank you to all your listeners because, I mean, if they're listening to your stuff, I know they're on the right track. So. Like we like we mentioned about the identity thing real quick, people are like, oh, you always say you wrap it up and then you keep talking. But <laughs> the identity thing, it's like I always throw out on the longer ones. We've been going two hours huh. and I always throw out. I'm like, oh, no one's going to. And so many people are like, I heard it. I listened. I, I made it. I'm yeah. Like, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Because I know two hours is a lot of time. You know, we put a lot of value on our time. So if you've stuck with us for two hours, thank you. 